You are now listening to Word of Mouth with Steve Van Deest and Kai Maroma. Good afternoon. What's going on? This is Word of Mouth. Uh, we're in the studio, as always, with uh, Steve Van Deest and a very interesting gentleman today. Uh, we'll let you introduce yourself. Steve, what's going on, brother? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah, we got an interesting guest today. It's, uh, you know, a national. you have a national business. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit of who you are and, and, and uh, what your background is. Okay. Well, my name is Marcel Sprudlini. I'm the president of Consumer Choice Award. And uh, our company is national. We've got uh, 15 markets across the country. And uh, really, Consumer Choice Award is about helping people make better choices. Yeah, no, Consumer Choice Award is, is, a, is a big company. Yeah, 15 That's markets huge. is huge. Uh, like, did you start the company? Are you like a founder of the company? No, I'm not. Um, actually, uh, the founder, his name was Ami Peleg. And he started the company in 1988. And his concept was, was uh, or his vision at that time was really to help uh, businesses to differentiate in the marketplace, but also <clears throat> helping them demonstrate in each market uh, who was best in class. And right. uh, at the time, the um, the business model was really centric to galas. And so the perspective there was that um, people would go to an event and it would be filmed on TV. Yeah. And ultimately, that would have been the marketing uh, value proposition at that time. And right. so we acquired the company in 19 well december 3rd 1999 yeah and uh so since then it's been uh, a really interesting uh, journey for us nice yeah you remember the date that was a day it must have been a big day for you well it was because i had sold the company um about two years before yeah and i was trying to figure out what i would do when i grow up (laughs) And (laughs) and it's easier said than done because you know you think that uh your next move, you would be in a position to say, well, what you want to do. So I took, uh, I took some time off to really reflect uh, on what were the things that uh, my key drivers and what inspired me in my life. Yeah. And then that started, uh, you know, my search for companies that would fit well, not only with what inspired me, but also what I was um, intuitively very good at. Right. right. Things that I love to do. And so I had created a matrix to be able to determine, well, what are the things I'm good at? And then after that, I circle what are the things I love? Because right, sometimes, you, you know, they're not necessarily align. That's true. Yeah, I like that. That's awesome. So, like, what was the, um, why Consumer's Choice, like, what, what made you pick that particular company? Well, yeah, again, when I was uh, doing my matrix, I had uh, several criterias by which I wanted to uh, get involved with my next uh, company. One of them is that, I really wanted to have uh, a uh, be involved with a company that ultimately I could work till the day I die. Right. Because I was not getting younger. Yeah. And I had been involved in a couple of ventures. My background is actually consumer packaged goods, l- large corporations. Right. And okay. then I left that world. And uh, then after that, I had some ventures in the states and a couple of you know uh, experiences that I ultimately some of them were good, some of them were bad, and I decided to to decide what I had learned to date. And one of the things I wanted is I didn't want to have an, a series of uh, ventures. I wanted to be involved with something that actually I could uh, be true to myself. And therefore, I wouldn't be working another day in my life. I mean, yeah. a long time ago, somebody told me, he said, said if, you find, if you work, you will feel that uh, you will need a lot of uh, uh, hobbies and entertainment in your life, 
Yeah. If you have a profession, you will feel um, you feel good about your contribution, and ultimately, if you are, um, I'm trying to find a word, but uh, pa passionate or no, but it's it's more it's more of uh, of if you are oh if you have if you do something with purpose. Ah, yes, purpose. That's yeah, right. so then, then you're never working in another day of your life because you love what you do. Right. Yeah. And, and so that's what I was really striving for because, you know, I thought life is short and we have to determine, you know, ultimately what we want to do as far as our contribution to yeah. this world. So uh, to answer your question, <laughs> which, which is how did I pick Consumer Choice Award, I went into a very challenging time, which it was to look at different companies because I had decided that, I would uh, want to acquire a company that already existed. Yeah. And I thought, you know, if I can find a company that already existed, had been profitable, but needed a lot of work, that would be probably my sweet spot. And then um, then I started, like I mentioned earlier, I um, was assessing my, uh, my strengths and my weaknesses and the things that ultimately really drove me. Yeah. And the, uh, the thing that came loud and clear is that marketing is something I really enjoyed. Yeah. But also... I liked a lot of uh, being creative and creating things. Yeah. And so, because we all have, you know, some creativity, you know, we're all an artist and, you know, in some shape or form. Yeah, one way or another, for sure. Yeah. And so what I found that uh, in business, I could expand myself if I was much more in the creative sphere. And uh, therefore, marketing was something that I did really well. And, yeah. And that would be something that I would want to... Uh, get involved with eventually i i got to after looking at about 35 companies across north america and uh talking to a lot of people because i found that the i thought initially it would be a lot easier but it took a long time yeah and uh, there was a lot of things that was not fitting really well eventually i got exposed to consumer choice award and at first i didn't understand the business model i didn't understand how you could make money by giving an award <laughs> and so that was yeah. yeah so that was a little bit strange for me yeah so i had to research that and uh, and I, I spent a lot of time doing the due diligence right and i found that there was a lot of elements of the business that i liked but other elements i did not like it didn't right. fit my values and the way i looked at the world so i decided to uh, pursue it and uh, eventually after eight months of doing due diligence i ended up uh, looking at interviewing customers, employees, I spent a lot of time. And eventually, uh, I ended up acquiring Consumer Choice Award, as I said, on December 3rd, 2009. Yeah. And um, we, we spent a lot of time also interviewing the research companies because right. that was something that was really interesting to me was that that was the cornerstone of the brand. Yeah. Um, and that had to do with the fact that the at the time, the founder had the genius of hiring uh, third-party research companies. At the time, it was uh, Leisure Marketing. He had yeah. hired Gallup and a lot, a lot of other companies, and they provided a lot of legitimacy to uh, to the brand. Right. Because obviously, the award was not picked by a panel or um, or one person. So in some cases, you've got some awards, and it's one person that picks up uh, who he thinks that uh, or she uh, feels that is best in class or yeah. is more worthy of the award right but in this case it was a third party and i love the object objectivity of it and also the fact that it reflected the opinion of consumers yeah that's awesome because it's, it's, it's nowadays it's very hard to get an actual realistic opinion right because talking to steve i remember talking about marketing 
like in a perfect world if you're marketing something you would talk about all the things that are in the product where you say this car is like for example a car x amount of house horsepower this and that and that versus lifestyle marketing right now it's like you know there's a beautiful woman in it the guy's dressed amazing you know like the things that don't come with the car that speak nothing of the car is more of what you get so it's good it's to more, see that. It's like, more of emotional base now. Yeah, it's emotional more. base versus like, for example, your your organization now. It's like you you know what consumers think about a product. Like uh, X amount of people have bought it. They've loved it. It's got good reviews. It's you know what I mean. It's a legitimate product versus it's got good marketing and it looks good, but people don't actually like it. Right, and so I think that the, where we differentiate ourselves, yeah, is that ultimately we um, we try to focus to help consumers make better choices. Right. So it's, you know, our vision is to have our brand as a reference when you have life decisions that mm -hmm. are high risk. And so if you look at the services that are associated with that, it's typically the services that you're not very familiar with. Right. And especially if you're talking to a young audience in, you know, anywhere between 30 and 40, yeah. you've got some life decisions to make, like buying a house. Yeah. And, uh, and when you do get involved in those type of uh, decisions, you also have to feel that you know the risk is not only buying the house, but it's also after you own it. Yeah, you really have to take care of the house. So you've got a roof. So if you take the roofing as an example, yeah, uh, most people in their lifespan may be involved with a roofing company, maybe uh, two times at most. Yeah, for most people, and so therefore, at every time that you're involved. You need references because there's a lot of high risk involved with it. If you make yeah. if you make the wrong decision, uh, your roof may still be leaking. You may have you know you may deal with a lot of issues for a long time. Yeah. Right? And even if you get your money back, you may ultimately have the 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 pain of dealing with the issue for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. And so that's where the brand comes in, where we've done a lot of the legwork, and. Our hope is that people use it at least for as one of the reference points in their search because they should do some research before uh, making that decision. So, if you, so if you look at the products, well, not products, but the uh, the categories yeah. that we involve is that uh, we really assess where people have the highest risk. So yeah. you're talking about the frequency of purchase. So just yeah. like the roofing is very seldomly, and the in the dollars expenditures. So right. if you're going to spend fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, you should do your homework before right. you actually. Big time. It's not an impulse purchase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's where you know we ha we have the ability to have done some research, and we make that available to consumers, which at least provides um, validation yeah. of the service. And ultimately, um, they will be in a position. They should still. Uh, you know, do some do due diligence comes to hit themselves, yeah. Because ultimately, um, there's several factors that you would make uh, you would take in consideration when you make your decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've had the opportunity now to kind of be um, kind of almost from the outside, being able to watch uh, the Consumer's Choice Award for a few years now, and I find it very it's 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 very inspiring. Like where you have like these this good core group of uh, of businesses of like talented businesses that are there that are involved and then what you guys do as an organization is really helping them as well in terms of like their marketing skills like some of the things that you guys are, are doing to kind of help with your with the people who are part of the consumers choice awards is is really putting them on the next level like you're basically taking them like okay you you're with us now and now we're going to basically make you even better and these are the tools that you guys have now my biggest question is here though is like like you guys are continuously innovating 
when you purchased the company, were you guys already a national company or like have no. you been growing it since then? No, we've been growing it. Uh, when we acquired a company, it was in six markets in Canada. Yeah. Yep. So as I mentioned, we're in 15 markets today. We wanted to create a national brand. Uh, funny story is that in the first three months, one of the things I wanted to do was, as I mentioned, there were some elements that I did not like. So yep. even before stepping in, uh, the business model at that time was based on what we call the Olympic model. So they would have been gold, silver, and bronze. Yeah. And uh, what I had found through my due diligence is that some businesses uh, felt that that tarnished the brand uh, credibility because right. the the way that the company actually can monetize its business model is by selling marketing platform. We don't sell the the research. And so, therefore, the only way you can monetize is by providing value on the marketing side. Right. But because the model was based on three potential customers, uh, there were times when some categories that the bronze would possibly be a, a, a customer, but the gold would not be. Right. So now that created some questionable uh, challenges because then you didn't have the three, you didn't have the standard gold, silver, and bronze, but you had the bronze that was basically promoted. Right. And so we decided to eliminate that Olympic model and go with the top service provider. And so the so then the perspective that I've uh, realized is that before even opening the door, we eliminated about 25% of the net profits of the company. So that was that was a big decision because we really wanted to put some integrity so that nobody could didn't question the integrity of the brand in the selection of the of the service providers. Nice. And so coming back to your point, uh, when the funny story is actually the founder had started in 1988 and uh, had maintained pretty much the same branding. And that's my background is marketing. Right. I was involved yeah. with Pepsi-Cola. I was involved with Procter & Gamble. And like I mentioned before, I love marketing and I love the creative side of it. And so what we started to find is that we had to revamp somewhat of the branding itself. And so we changed we modified the logo, try to keep a lot of the integrity that was already there. And I always remember when we presented to the to the founder because he was still involved for one year because that was part of the transition. We wanted to make sure because he had nothing on paper. And so we realized that if we had to keep him on board at least for a year so that we would actually test some new markets to understand how he went about it. Right. And uh, understand much more of the processes to ensure that we understood and we could scale it up. Right, and so when we did present the um, the new branding, uh, he thought that uh, we were going to ruin the company. <laughs> so it, it was a little bit like the old movies where it's like you know, his the, baby. <laughs> yeah, it was his baby, and he said, "You know what? You're throwing the baby away. Why would you even invest the money when it's a proven uh, success?" Yeah. yeah, and so I was trying to demonstrate to him that you know a proven success doesn't necessarily means a future success. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, and that's one thing I had learned through my ventures is obviously you have to continue to innovate to make sure you resonate well with the consumers. Right. And so anyway, uh, but as far as innovation from the get-go, what we understood is that we had the ability, we needed to revamp the marketing platform. That was the element that was not optimal. Right. And so we spent a lot of time um, making sure that we provided value and so we had some principles that we put in place. We One of the principles was um, we needed to provide a marketing platform that would um, be a turnkey. Okay. Uh, 
uh, it had to be to to make sure that it was very effective. Mm-hmm. So that means that, that we would be in a position to create a lot of brand awareness to these companies. Right. And the other thing is that uh, it would be um, cost effective. And so what we meant by that is that at least it had ideally to be in a position where it would be something they couldn't do on their own. Mm-hmm. And right. so we, we would use our economies of scales and create a platform that would have the power to elevate the companies in a, in a manner that they can do on their own. Right. And so that's what we started doing. And, uh, you know, along the way, we've made some mistakes. Uh, but we learned. And the, the point that I think I would make to any of the audiences that are in business would be the element that making mistakes is actually very good. Right. Yeah. You shouldn't be afraid of making mistakes. Yeah. That's how you only, learn. Yes. This is how <laughs> you learn. Yeah. And so therefore, then it's an opportunity. The only challenge is that you have to be pretty quick at it because you have to correct. Yeah. So you need to have some measures that ultimately helps you understand if you've made the right decisions because Sometimes you'll make the right decision, but the it's the implementation. Sometimes it's the implementation is not is fine, but it's really the idea that was not that was flawed. Yeah, that was flawed for some reason or not. And sometimes right. you know, and in other times it's a combination of the both. Yeah. And so the question is, how quickly do you correct, and how quickly uh, do you actually understand uh, where the challenges are? And so that's where I think some of the secret is for success is to quickly assess and pivot in some shape or form to make sure that you're now getting a new tragic, uh, a new tragic, uh, trajectory trajectory. Yes. That's my French Italian that's coming out. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, that's, so that's where we're, we, we've, we've learned along the way and, uh, and the, and also the desire to, uh, to be in pursuit of excellence. Right. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, that word is used, uh, maybe too much. But if you really feel it, then it's really a driving force because you're always in a position to say, well, what else could we do better? Right. Right. Be- because there's always something you can do better. And whether it's the way you, you know, you talk to your customers, the way that you measure. I mean, it's it's every facet of the enterprise is always in a position to be improved. Right. Yeah. Now, with, now, with that, with that saying in mind, with the way the market's changing, the market's been changing here in the past little bit now. Uh, a lot of the stuff going online and, and all that changes. How how is how is you got how have you guys learned to kind of adapt and change with that with the current market? How do you see the market now and, and in terms of like how business is being done and how things are changing? Right. And so, it's interesting because before the acquisition, one of the things that I had anticipated is that because of the coming of the internet, I mean, we're talking about 2009, so it had been around for about nine years. So it's not like I was a visionary. (laughs) So I didn't need a crystal ball to determine that there was much more information that's readily available to the public, to people in general. Yeah. And more information is not always better. And so what I anticipated is that people would need some help along the way as references. Yes. And so what I realized there is that uh, businesses, small, especially small businesses, don't have the means or the, the, or the know-how in some cases to be able to, to really allocate a lot of uh, effective resources against marketing. And therefore, marketing would become much more challenging in the, a new era. And obviously, uh, 
I didn't anticipate everything that was developed. Right. But that particular point from an overall um, challenge for businesses proved to be right. Mm-hmm. And so what we've defined in that, um, in that environment is that we started changing our marketing platform. We started including uh, digital yep. and try to help them obviously uh, target better to the, the consumers that ultimately would be um, interested in their services. And yeah. so we started doing that a while back. But at the same time, we have two facets to our business. As I mentioned at the beginning, we have research yeah. and we have marketing. So we spent a lot of time on the marketing and I think you know we nailed that pretty well. Right. But uh, one thing we didn't realize is that the research was not very valuable to the small enterprise. Right. And we started seeing a lot of things going on with the sm- small, medium-sized businesses across Canada and it was common across the country. And um, what occurred was that because of the sur- insurgence of the inter- uh, sorry of the digital marketing, so the Google AdWords and everything else, started generating a new uh, a new need for experts in the marketplace. Yeah, and you've got a lot of experts that started coming on board. On one end, you had on. Uh, on one end, you had the yellow pages right. that played a big role for a long time yeah. as a differentiator in the marketplace and helping consumers find information. And in some cases, they tried to provide some differentiators there too. Yeah, uh, The business of uh, the SMBs were using that as a means to show who was best in class a lot of times by taking more space. So if you're more successful, you could take a full page. In some cases, two pages of advertising in the yellow pages. Yeah. And that could be $250,000. So obviously that would be a barrier of entry for somebody coming into the same space because they couldn't afford spending that money. Right. right. But rapidly that started to disappear because now you could do geocoding. Well, at the time it was not geocoding, but you could actually use Google and the era of search engine optimization came into play. And then you right. started having a lot of mom and pops across the country knocking on the door of of small, medium-sized businesses and say, hey, I've got a better way to save you money, but also be more effective. And obviously the companies that were more early adapters and more innovators started gravitating towards that. Right. Now we speed over a couple of years and what you're finding is that a lot of the companies ended up um, being, especially the early adapters, taking advantage of that. But like anything else, it didn't take long before everybody that started knocking on, on the and the small businesses started yeah. knocking on every businesses. So every businesses had access to the same um, advertising or differentiators right, in the marketplace. Right. Because, uh, because ultimately the market will react. And today you look at uh, all small, medium-sized businesses are in some shape or form as a presence online, as doing, is doing some advertising of some sort. And the playing field is a lot more leveled off. Yeah. Um, so from that perspective, you could say that today, the biggest challenge for all SMBs across the country is is to differentiate in the marketplace. Yeah. And so if you look at uh, the other phenomenon, in the past you had the yellow pages. Right. That was really the big company, the big brother, if you will, uh, pretty much monetizing a lot of the re- the dollars 
advertising dollars from the SMBs across the country. Yeah, that was yeah. like that was like the yellow pages were were the ones, and then people started getting web pages, and then yeah. from web pages it went up because before they even had web pages. How did you even know? Right, so what that's what people had. were using. Yeah, and so it was. I mean, it, it was the physical world. You had, yeah. you know, you had the big catalog. <laughs> yeah, and, you, had, and you used to have the phone book. The, the phone, phone book used to be a thing. Yeah, right. I remember that you used yeah. to get the yellow yeah. one and the white one. Everyone yeah. exactly. And you guys yeah. probably, you know, were too young, probably just using it as a stool. Yeah, you right. know, oh, yeah, I, I sure. still remember it. I still right. remember. Yeah. But it used I used to hate the yellow pages because it was just nothing but ads and exactly ads and businesses. Yeah, but people were using it. Insert right because it was a directory yeah. yeah and if you look at the when google came to came into play basically it was a a game changer oh big time and you know an industry dis disruptor if yeah. you will and uh today well it's to some degree the google is the yellow pages it is it's definitely the yellow pages yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh they're the online yellow pages yeah, of the world pretty exactly much. and so the thing that well, just so you know, Yellow Pages was worldwide. Holy, yeah. <laughs> and so, so you know, it was in the publication industry, and ultimately right. yeah. they gave rights across, the, you know, across the world, and you know, it was distributed pretty much across the world. The whole world had Yellow Pages. That's right. So anyway, yeah. the point is that Google is um, is replaced that obviously in the virtual space. Yeah. But the thing that's interesting now that uh, that I find that's really interesting is that if you look at the evolution of Google. They've gone from, well, to be pure in their intent. Their mission was to provide um, a search option, a search engine. It was a search engine, but it was to provide information that people would be looking for in a manner at a time, and they would be providing it in a fast and effective way. Right. And it would be on, uh, it would be totally object objective. Right. And today, you would have to question the objectivity of the, the search. The, yeah, the well, I, I, I think it's lost its obje objectivity. I think it's now a money-making engine, right? Right. Like if, if you if you make the most dollars and you pay for the ad space, before it was like whoever it. whatever website was yeah. was most viewed showed up on the top. Now yeah. it's like whoever pays the most money gets up on top. Well, the thing that's interesting <laughs> is again, if you look at for SMBs, yeah, today they've introduced a map for local businesses. Yeah, we're talking about here mainly, uh, you know, SMBs. Yeah, because when people are searching for a plumber or a roofer or a doctor, you know, for any services that are either, you know, that you would be looking for. Yeah, like uh, all of the uh, the keywords uh, results before the map is all advertising, hundred percent. All of it's advertising. Yeah. Yeah. Then after that, you get the map that was which is pretty recent. Yeah. And our research shows that uh, the majority of people now are gravitating towards using the map yeah right. and so therefore organic results are almost irrelevant oh big time and depending of the you know the business sector some of them are still laggers but overall that's just where the trend is going yeah, and some people map. don't even have them their their address and stuff registered on google yeah, yeah and that's the thing yeah. like you now know, you have to register you have on to google register exactly to be I, on the map you exactly so you register yeah. on the map and so ultimately for the consumers if you want to get an overview of the players, because ultimately the consumers are using Yellow Pages to save time. Uh, sorry, yeah. not Yellow Pages, uh, Google. It's the Yellow Pages. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, but the, the perspective there is uh, they're, uh, where was I going with this? Uh, you said they're using, the yellow, they're using Google to save time. Yes, uh, okay, but, so let yeah. me finish on that because that's yeah. critical. Okay. Because this is the role that Consumer Choice Award wants to play as well 
because we're actually in the space where we want to reduce your risk. So reduce your risk is actually in providing it in an effective way, which means time and the right information. Right. And so if you look at Google right now, when you go in the map, now you have an overview of all the service providers that they actually are registered to the map. Right. And there's no reason to go beyond that because they're also providing the ability to sort it out mm-hmm. as far as a rating system. Yeah. Okay. And uh, hourlies and so forth. And I'm sure it's going to continue gravitating in those spaces as far as different filters so that you get the information the way you want. Right. So the perspective there is some challenges that are coming along the way is that organic results are irrelevant. Yeah. The other thing is that the click, the cost per click yeah. has radically increased. Now we're talking, we have some customers, depending on where they are, they were paying 16 cents five years ago. It's $45 today for the yeah. same keyword. The same keyword, right? yeah. And the other thing also that's really important is that uh, Google has been very, very uh, clever about working on the total dollars. So for small, medium-sized businesses, <laughs> I put a budget and I don't surpass it. Yeah. But the other thing is that people don't realize what I, if I used to have a hundred leads out of the keywords five years ago, I may have now 15 for the same dollars. So I was spending $500. Now I'm getting, I was getting a hundred. Now I'm getting 15. So the cost has drastically the value started to drop there in terms yes. of like you used to you used to make more yeah. more money you used to spend less money and, and get more value out of it now you're spending more money and getting less value exactly yeah. and so when we're looking at all this um, I feel that the small medium sized businesses are have been are in the same situation as the yellow pages in the past and they feel yeah. that if they're not there that ultimately their competitor is going to take advantage. So it's a vicious circle. I need to be there because my competitors are there. Yeah. And the big, the bigger you are, the more competitive you have as a barrier of entry because now I can pay the $45, whereas somebody that's smaller uh, or you know just starting out cannot afford that. Yeah. Because if I have a budget of $100 and if the keyword is 45, I get two leads. And <laughs> Potentially. The, yeah. Potentially. And so, like, I get two phone calls and then exa- well, just not door knockers. <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah. I think what you're saying is really critical because you say two leads equals two phone calls. But the reality is that's not true. It doesn't. Yeah. Because you pay for the click. You pay for the click, yeah. but the click may not result in anything. Exactly. Yeah. So therefore, you have different qualifiers of leads. You, you know, the industry talks about qualified leads. Yeah. Well, what does really that mean? I mean, it means everything to everybody. Mm-hmm. So in some cases, it means somebody that actually was the step right before making a purchase. Or in, or in other cases, it may mean somebody that showed interest in your product yeah. and ultimately got to your website. So yeah. there's a big range between those two extremes. Yeah, yeah, it depends who you're talking to, what a qualified leader. Exactly. Yeah, 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 definition and of it's it, interesting sure. too, because they used to talk about how um, back in the day, you used to have to have, in order to actually, uh, conf- um, conf- um, what is it, when you when you basically convert convert a, uh, a customer, you needed three touches, right? You need to basically hit them three times. They need three three points of contact. Right. Uh, nowadays, what they're saying is is that you need with with the overload of information that we're getting, most companies or most people to be com- converted, they need about seven to nine touches. So they need they need need multiple forms of before they even trust a company because there's no trust anymore. 
You're raising a great point because uh, we did some research on that matter. And what we're finding is the trust factor across all the demographics is trending down yeah. drastically. And that's what's actually even more interesting is that the 25 to 35 is the lowest to start with. They trust the least as far as information online. <laughs> and on top of it, it's trending lower. I think the, the, the numbers is like 25%. So it's a, I think it's 25% of all um, people within the, the demographic of 25, 35s yeah. that trust the information. And it's going down. It's been going down for the last five years. So I think yeah. now today, five years later, I think it's 18%. So that means that 82% doesn't trust as you know as much as what they used yeah, to. Right. The that other makes thing, sense, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, because the thing is, the internet is unfiltered, and it gives it gives the possibilities for people to manipulate information, mislead. Oh, big time. Oh, I've seen a lot of guys out there with smoking mirrors. Around oh, yeah. yeah. Like, well, even, you look even, at them and I'm like, whoa, man, that's a really good smoking mirror. Yeah, even the uh, the whole Google ad system isn't based on quality of the service provided. Of course. It's based on how much money I can exactly. to put yeah. on it, right? But think yeah. about the, the phenomenon of, uh, of reviews, right? Yeah. Let's talk about that because the reviews, you know, initially was, again, developed from an idealistic perspective to say, hey, if we can get people to ultimately provide a review, yeah. it will be very useful if I want to buy there and I don't know them to understand, you know, some of the, some of the experience of the people that have used their services. Right. It's funny though, because you find that on the internet, most people won't put a good review. They usually put up bad reviews. So when someone gets upset, they usually lash out. On yeah. The but there's a reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the reason is because it's human nature that when actually a negative experience or a negative uh, emotion is much stronger than a positive, right? Yeah, big time. And, and so what happens there is that the internet gives a great medium to vent. Yeah. And because most people don't like to confront, so they won't tell the company. Yeah, I directly, mean, yeah. The research shows actually it's one out of 26 people <laughs> that actually will never tell the company, but they will tell everybody else. Yeah. Now the internet gives me the ability that I don't have to tell everybody else. I can use the internet as a means to tell more than 26 people, I can tell you know the world that how yeah. bad they are. And I, it makes the people feel good because now they've vented. Yeah. So that's on one level. But the other thing also that's happening on the reviews is that, again, because of the element or the need to differentiate, small, medium-sized businesses have been offered services to help them mitigate the negative reviews. Right. And in some cases, well, there's two things also in the negative reviews. You've got people that are miscontent in their life and, you know, they're called trolls. Internet trolls. Internet trolls. Yes. And so we found, we found that uh, actually we did some research and we found in one instance that we found a troll that had left the, the same message to six companies. And these were companies that were award winners. You guys represented, yeah. That we, we had given an award yeah. and we didn't understand... And so we were able to correlate that it was the same person and it was the person was too lazy to even change one word. It was copy and paste, copy and paste. six times. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, it was nothing that was actually uh, very constructive. It was all about, you know, this person dot, 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 uh, you know, is they're thieves. They don't know what they're doing. Don't trust them. Yeah. So it was all subjective, but nothing was very material. Yeah. Right. Um, so you've got that phenomenon, but then you've got the other phenomenon too, is that when you're dealing with small, medium-sized businesses, and your audience should know that, is that it's very competitive out there. Very. 
And a lot of times what happens is that some people use the internet as far as the reviews as a means to compete against the competitors. Right. Right. And so negative reviews, obviously much more powerful than positive. Well, it doesn't take long to figure out that some people are using it as a means to trash their competitors. Right. So reviews. Okay. Yeah, so, it's so, so it's accurate. direct, yeah. you know, direct negative reviews that are used to obviously demonstrate and it doesn't take long because not a lot of people still leaves a lot of reviews on a lot of things. So you've got people that are leaving, even if you've got a hundred reviews on against a, a company, well, for a company, the reality is that the company may have 10,000 customers. So a hundred is still 1%, yeah. right? right? And so it's a very small portion of all the customers that they may have as a, as a, as a, as a standard, yeah, as a, as a representative of the the, the um, their customer base. Yep. But the other reality is that most of them are not customers, so it's not even re reflective of that. Right. Right. It's so, very inaccurate. Right. Inaccurate. Yeah. And so, when you're talking about us, where, what role do we play into this? Because over time, we spend a lot of time in the marketing, but then we started seeing, well, wouldn't it be good to be able to provide accurate information? Yeah. About real customers in real time. Yeah, this is good. This is bringing us up now to to your, to, to to your new, new venture, your new venture now right. that you have going on. And so on for here. several years, so we've been, you know, one of the things that this is, dates back to 2014. Yeah. So we're 2016 now, and you know, yesterday I saw you, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. you got exposed to our new, you know, our yeah, new program. I, I heard you. I heard you've been you've been uh, living in a cave for the past two years. No one's heard from you. <laughs> well, here in this market in Edmonton, it's disappeared. <laughs> but but it's let disappeared. me make sure. I'm not a person that lives in a cave because <laughs> I, uh, you I, to, you to, I don't live in the cave. No, how dare you? I will not be in a cage or a cave that much. I can guarantee you. That's awesome. I'm much more of the mindset that you have to fly and you have to view the world from, you know, a bird's eye. Beautiful. And also you've got to get down to the gutters to be able yeah. to control you understand the world because you know it's it's a combination of macro view yeah and micro yeah anybody that tells you that uh, you are constantly you know this is the way we should be looking at run away yeah because the world is dynamic it changes all the time i use water or rivers or ocean as a metaphor for for looking at the world yeah in the world of business because you know seasons will come in weather will change and, you know, even if you anticipate just like the weatherman that you know, it's going to be sunny tomorrow and all that, well, something come crawling at the last 11th hour and you've got a hurricane on your, well, most of the time not a hurricane, but, you yeah. know, you've got rain instead of, yeah, it just drastically right. changes. you know, drastic changes. Yeah. And the business is very similar to that. And so you've got to be a forecaster, but you've also have to be nimble enough to adjust. Right. And so if we're coming back to, you know, coming back to the essence of what we were talking about, which is how do we play a role to provide some legitimacy of information yeah. to a world that actually now is skewed very negatively. Yeah. Just so you understand, 14% of customers are typically non, not satisfied with their services in real world. So 14%, keep that number in mind. Yeah. Because in cyberspace, that number goes from 14% to 76%. Okay? <laughs> so, so that means that if you believe what is online, you would think that everybody three quarters yeah. of all businesses suck. Right. They're, yeah. they're, they're not doing a good job. That I can't the trust them. Yeah. But the reality is that that's not true. But that's what the, 
the representation of that medium is providing to us. Right. And that reinforces a lot of the reason why there's less trust. Yeah. Because people are not stupid. Yeah. Eventually they're saying, wait, wait a second. It doesn't make sense. I mean, this, I know this business. Right. They're pretty good. And they're not perfect, but they're pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And they don't warrant to have 50, you know, negative reviews of people who say they suck. Yeah. And so people, you know, are much more intelligent about what they do and how they read information and yeah. they do their homework. And yeah. eventually they start asking people as well. And what really transgress in all of this is that the internet is a great vehicle. It provides information and all that. And the thing is, sometimes because we're getting information and we're spending so much time using that medium for yeah. a lot of our day-to-day -day, uh, work, one thing we're forgetting is that we're human beings. Right. And human beings, all we have a DNA, and it hasn't changed that much for the last 50,000 years. Yep. What has changed is our environment. And the technology has obviously catapulted that to a different degree. But at the end of the day, we are human beings. And we are emotional beings. And we strive on things that makes us happy. Right. And so when you put all that together, the biggest challenge is what role is Consumer Choice Award going to be playing in all that space? Right. And we're talking about innovation. And so my vision there has always been that we would have been like day one, be a great reference for people. Well, we've got a great opportunity today because the trend of trust is going down. You've got more information that it's than every time before. Right. You have to, to your point, you would need to have much more touch points to be able to convince somebody to trust you. Right. Yeah or even consider you, but at the end of the day, you're still getting leads. Right. And if you look at the world, the way it started, as far as business, it didn't have internet, didn't have the yellow pages. <laughs> All it had is people talking. Yeah, word right? of mouth. Right? And I think, yeah. it, I, I think, I believe, it, I believe everything is coming back to that. I mean, coming back to the word of mouth, coming back to uh, uh, storytelling uh, it's its definitely a belief that we have here yeah um, about uh, the oral tradition uh, of storytelling basically being able to um, have one person tell someone else about a business and having that 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 referral transfer over um, so that your new program was like was was kind of interesting because it really spoke to like exactly where I see the business is going exactly so when we looked at that we uh, we said well word of mouth is not lead the conversion rate is about 60 to 70%, depending on the vertical. Yeah. Uh, the other thing also is that when you ask people, especially if you ask people that are happy with the service, most of them will actually refer someone without being paid, and it's done organically. Yeah, for sure. So, so it's following the, you know, the natural way that our DNA is, which was we like to help people. Yeah, right. And so if you look at that's how we are not online, but in real world. In the real world. And so now I think that we have the opportunity of replicating and start. I, the word I would use is try to start infiltrating some common sense to the digital world. Yeah. yeah. You know what? And I, I, I think what 
I think the biggest issue that people have, and, and it's not that people don't want to help refer other companies, is a lot of businesses don't ask for referrals. Wow, that's they, a good They point. don't ask for them, and I think that's all you have to do. And and, and that's the one thing about your system is that it, it kind of helps businesses well, ask their customers for a referral. That's right. Uh, that's exactly right. So the thing that uh, we found out, and I, I don't even take credit for what the product looks today. Yeah. I had the foresight to have the idea that we would need that. But we the reason why it took so long is that I'm a firm believer that the ideas have to come from the collective uh, intelligence that's out there. And it's by going to market, asking people, get them to touch it, to feel it, that ultimately there's an evolution. And when we were talking about you know learning quickly and pivoting, yeah, it's that's where the secret is because now you're in a position that you have to determine how quickly can I actually get an answer to this idea because you will be, uh, you'll be surprised by the amount of input you will get from people that are, are in the marketplace. And the information or the ideas will come from a multitude of areas. Yes. And so if you look at the, in our journey, we actually did our pilot in, right. uh, in Ottawa, in my backyard. Yeah, and it's a market, <clears throat> and it's a market that's very close to, very similar to Edmonton, right? And in very many, many ways, population, uh, demographics, uh, government uh, workers, you know, with business and so forth. Yep. Uh, anyway, and so when we did that, we started out an idea. It was basically to try to provide accurate information about how the customer felt about a business, because we said, you know, that information really doesn't exist today. Because you've got a subjectivity, you've got people are telling you, but it, it would be good to have uh, real data that would be used over time to assess how you did and on some matrix that were important for for consumers. Yes. And what we found is that the when we presented that to the companies, and we were fortunate enough to have some brand advocates in the in every market here in in across Canada with our Consumer Choice Award. Right. And we're also fortunate that their business, we deal with pretty good companies overall because we do the research. So we know that typically <laughs> yeah. they're, uh, they're the top service providers. Right. So when we actually used uh, our network of companies and brought our concepts and started bringing it up and then eventually we brought a product, we found quickly that uh, you know there were some tweaks that needed to occur and eventually we launched it as a pilot, as a beta testing. Yep. And what we found there is that people loved it. And very shortly, we found they were not using it. So we were totally surprised because people said, wow, this is the best thing. You know, I don't know why nobody came up with this. And, you know, a month later, we started realizing they're not using it. Start talking to them. Said, oh, yeah, well, the person that because one of the things that needs to occur for our our platform is that somebody needs to um, insert emails. Right. And so if nobody does that, then it's basically like a car you leave in the garage. With no gasoline in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So you're in the garage, not get, but so in our case, you know, the question is how, why is that? Yeah. And what we found quickly is that it was not a must. It was a nice to do. I will get to it just like I'll start eating well or start exercising after Christmas, right. after the holidays. Yeah, yeah. But a lot, most, as we all know, you know, human nature is usually I spend more of my time on things that are important and urgent, and, or sometimes just urgent and not important. 
Right. Right. And so what we realized at that point was, okay, we need to be in the game of important and urgent. And we started realizing what was really important and urgent was how do I differentiate myself in a world where things are costing more and it's harder to, um, to differentiate. Yes. Like we talked earlier about the cost per click, $45. Well, it's incredible. We've got some customers that decided to say, I'm not spending another penny with Google because I can't afford it. Right. Yeah. Or it's not effective because right. at the end of the day, I can't do it ROI. It's you not know, as good. It's yeah. not as good as what I thought. Yeah. So we have some innovators that say, hey, I'm going to do it differently. And now we found out that they were go, going back to the basics. And the basic was, how do I actually um, create more marketing to incentivize more word of mouth marketing? And they were doing it manually. And we said, wow, wouldn't it be great if that was done digitally? Yeah. And because that's a, ja a game changer. Yeah, you can scale it a lot more. Exactly. So that's where, when you saw yesterday what we were presenting, and so we continued on that pilot, and we didn't know what to call it. Yeah. yeah. We really didn't have a clue. So we had a car, we had the engine, and eventually we started putting, you know, seats and all that with the marketing. So we started adding the element of authentic reviews, and we skewed it to positive because we said if it's a negative experience, we want to direct it to the customer immediately so he address it and so that he can fix it because right. that will happen. Right. But it should not be necessarily in the public domain necessarily because what we really want, it's a relationship with the customers. And if we give the customers an ability to, uh, to vent their issues as a third party, it's a safe environment and they will most likely gravitate there and we will play a role as a as, as a as an objective third party to ensure that their relationship does, does not deteriorate but it's a safety net for the consumers that typically don't want to communicate to the company that you know they was not they were not pleased right and so that we created a red alert we call it a red alert and uh, it's really meant to uh, to take an immediate action to correct it and the customers loved it the SMBs loved it. And on the positive side, we actually also inserted the, it could be the positive experiences. And then they, we said, well, we should at the moment that we know it's a positive experience, that is the moment. It's at the apex of the time where they would uh, most likely put a comment. Right. Which converts into a reviews. And then we developed the technology to facilitate that, re, uh, that comment that becomes a review to be posted on Google reviews or Facebook or other social medias because we said right. we don't know where the customers will want to gravitate to. Right. And what we found was interesting is that it, it appears to us at this juncture, because this is pretty recent, yep. uh, that the people would want to, um, they're posting on Google's, on Google reviews or yep. Facebook, like 90% of all the postings is there. But the thing that's different with our platform is that they're authentic customers right this how much time do we have as long as you want as much as you want oh <laughs> you've got to be careful you've got to be careful we, we talk, <laughs> i've been known for talking for hours we could talk until tomorrow <laughs> okay <Yeah>. so <laughs> so i didn't know that's a question i should have asked and so the perspective there that's really interesting is that now we had the ability to actually address the negative experience right yep address the positive experience but make some goods and try to counter <clears throat> the neg negative uh, reviews uh that's very skewed on the internet with injecting it with positive 
but authentic reviews. Right. right. And at this stage, I would, I would claim that we the, we the only platforms today that has authentic customers that translates into authentic reviews yep. in that fashion, the way we're doing it. Yeah, that's kind of in a sense that like, like for instance on Yelp or something, anybody can go and log in and make a review on a company. Um, but, yeah. w- but with this one, uh, with, with your program, you, you only can actually make a review based on the fact that you are a customer of that company because you're being channeled through that company. That's correct. But even more so because we anticipate that some companies possibly would want to uh, maybe inject non-customers into creating a, a, because it's more, it's a question, it's called a dynamic questionnaire we have. Right. right. And so to prevent that, it has to be connected to the, the invoices. So it's only customers ah, that were charged that are qualified as customers. Right. So it's not a database of ultimately target customers, uh, yeah. potential customers. It has to be really real customers. Right. And so, so it's kind of like after someone, so um, kind of after someone goes through the services, then you said, thank you very much for, for your service. Could you please answer a few of our questions and let us know how everything went? Yeah, well, it, somewhat like that, but there's a lot more science to it right. because one of the things <laughs> that we're using the NIPS question, yeah, which is a net promoter score question that a yeah. lot of companies you know use, and that's because that question is actually at the highest level of um, importance because what we were asking, and we are actually, it's sent from the IP of the customer, of, sorry, of the business to the customer, mm-hmm. but it is our template and it's tailored by the company. So therefore, it's, they know that it's the person that they've done business with. Right. But we provide the safety of third party and that's consumer choice research. Right. right. And on that end, we ask only one single question, which is, would you recommend this company to a friend, a family, or a colleague? Right. And that's the NIPS question. And it's very powerful because uh, in the earlier stage of our journey in developing this, we didn't have that. We had all our questions and we had developed that with uh, Ipso Reads, which is uh, one of the top three uh, research company in the world. We spent yep. a lot of money on that, but we didn't have the NIPS question. And when we injected that at the forefront of the questionnaire, then it gave us the ability to dissect the positive and the negative. And then our questions were tailored to that Based, based on, on, based their, on uh, their responses. On their responses. Yeah. And so from that point on, we knew that if it was a negative, well, then we would want to address what was negative about the experience. Yes. And so could you comment on it? And then the next question would be, would you like the company, would you like the company to contact you on that? Yeah. And because we're asking the question, they feel like, you know what, if the company will, will be nicer to them, <laughs> uh, and it's not because the, the company would not be nice, it's just the, the, the condition of people. You, most people don't like to confront yeah. And they have a perception that if, the comp- if they tell somebody they did something wrong, they will defend and they will tell them they're wrong. That's, and that's, actually, the, first defense, that's the first mechanism. Is this idea. Yeah, that's how people perceive. Yeah. And they would be completely surprised. I can't say everybody is not like that. Yeah. But I can assure you that the, the companies that win the Consumer Choice Award are not like that. Right. right. Okay, because or else they would not win the award. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, so, it so, makes sense because uh, like, what it looks like you have now is uh, – is a service that mitigates risk for consumers, but also kind of mitigates that that negative publicity for the actual service providers. Because now, 
let's say I'm not pleased with somebody, I can deal with that problem directly versus just going to like you know talk badly about them on online. I can now through this service have my problem rectified, and everybody's happy and everybody's satisfied versus I just rant and rave about it. And my problem doesn't actually get solved. That's a great point. Yeah, I'm just pissed off and right. leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem never gets solved. Yeah. Well, but that's the issue yeah. because at the end of the day, it's a great medium to vent. Yeah. But my problem, I still live with it's it. Still there, yeah. <coughs> so if my if my roofing is still leaking, yeah, and the guy never knew about it, and finds out like three months later on Google, <laughs> on Google, and they say, "Oh my God, I've been why didn't they tell me before? <laughs> I would have gone there. I fixed it." Yeah. You know, it fix it. <laughs> I've got some companies that we're talking about this week because I've been in Calgary yeah. and talking with some companies about what we're doing. Yeah. And they said, you know, I've got some stories. It's incredible. Like it took me two months to find out that somebody had a problem. Yeah. And here's what I do when they have a problem. First of all, I fix it at my cost. If I cannot fix it, I give all their money back. And to apologize, I give a gift certificate of some sort to really say that I'm sorry. Yeah. But And you know what? And they said... But I didn't know. So now we're giving the mechanism to address it so that you have two humans talking to one another, right. getting satisfaction so right. they can go on with their lives and not yeah. talking about the problem they had three months ago and say, you know what? My roofing is still leak uh, leaking. leaking yeah. You know, And now I can enjoy my life because if the problem is fixed, they can move on. Yeah, they go on and no, no bad reviews, nothing. Everyone well, the happy. reviews will be there. Because I think I don't think that's going to go away. I think yeah. it's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> we're going to make a dent on this yes. because of what we're going to be doing with the positive reviews. Yeah. But the other element that we added that created a must. Now let's go back to the business side. Yeah. Is that referrals? And we were talking about that. The referrals. Well, people have been doing referrals, and most of the business businesses have started that way. Yeah, yeah. Even I mean, take about the big boys, talking about. Costco, Lululemon, yeah, uh, Starbucks. It's all referral marketing, yeah. Or uh, which which other one I had yesterday? Um, I had four. I forgot the fourth one. Anyway, the point I, is I that I wasn't there yesterday. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> he, he was. So I was just checking to, if he was listening. He was. I, I, Come I, on, Steve. I, I'm, I'm mostly focused on the horrible. Other yes. Okay. Well, the point. The point. The point there. I won't. Uh, <laughs> The point there is that you've got some big companies that ultimately use as their cornerstone of you know their the their marketing centric element has been word of mouth marketing. Yeah. How many ads have you seen of Starbucks? Not too many. There are some, yeah. but it's it's, it's today. Yeah. 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 Well, what about fifteen years ago? Fifteen years ago, there was yeah. ten years ago. Yeah. Five years ago. Yeah. Oh, the other one I forgot. We've been talking about it pretty much like. Uh, this during this uh, this discussion, Google. Google. Yeah. How many ads did you? The first time I heard about yeah, Google, Google, somebody ad. told me says, yeah. "Listen, I you know I was using this thing on the internet and it gave me all the information I needed. It's great." I said, "What is it?" So we start talking with one another. Yeah. And I said, "That sounds pretty cool." It became a, it became an actual verb. Yes. You, you yeah. go Google it. Google right. Yeah. So if you think how we all find that, found out is by somebody else, somebody else and then we use the product yeah. and the product was pretty damn good yeah and right, stuck right? and so yeah. i can give the same examples for costco i used to work at pepsi and the first time somebody talked to me about costco we had never at that time actually they had a price club in the east and yeah. costco in the west yeah and nobody knew what it was and it was like okay it's a club it's for small companies but you can have a card 
if you work for the government and it was like yeah. what <laughs> you're like what is it and so yeah. i didn't get a card till about five years ago right but the thing is a lot of other people did yeah and they pretty successful company that's word of mouth marketing it is yeah okay, okay. let's we all love your product we list great you launched it the other day Yes. Tell us what the name of the product is and how, how do people how do people find this? How product? can you access this? Okay. How do we access this product? How do, how, this how, do we, okay. how do we get a hold it, of it? it? Okay. Can, can we try it? Okay. So the perspective there, as you as I mentioned before, I can talk for hours. So thank you for redirecting the conversation because I'm very passionate about this. I can see that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Passion's and and, and the, the, I'm inspired when we're talking about buying a company or getting involved in something that you're inspired. Well, it sounds like a good. It sounds like a good product because again, like like I said earlier, if now if you have something that that I can use as a business owner, yes, to, to get real time information and communication with my clients and make sure they end up positively and get those analytics. Correct. You should get that as a consumer now. If I've got this service, that I can I can look at it and go, okay, this is all. These are all guys who have positive reviews through actual research with actual customers. Cu customer is now, exactly. Like, you know, it mitigates the risk of me having to, to have a bad experience before I go, don't use that guy, use that guy. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's mitigating your risk again. Big time. Yeah. Right. But the point that we didn't talk about is how we're doing word of mouth marketing online because referrals, we said the conversion rate is high. It doesn't cost a lot. Right. And so the perspective there is that was the other component that we added to our platform. And that was a game changer. Yeah. Because we're not playing the game of leads now. We're complaining. We're, we're, we're talking about the game of having a customer that may have a discount coupon or may have knock on your door and say, Mary or George told me that I've got to call you because I've got this problem. Right. That's a customer that's asking for your services. Right. That's powerful. That's guaranteed work, yeah. Yeah, and so we have customers that currently, they know that 50 to 70% of their new customers comes from referrals. Right. Today, okay? And so some of them do it manually. They have cards, they give gift certificates, and depending on how they, you know, they do it, it's all done in a certain way, and some people are not doing it. It's just because they're a great uh you know, a great uh, service provider, just people organically tells, hey, you've got to use that. Just think about restaurants. Sometimes they open in your corner and say, hey, there's a new restaurant that opened. People start talking about it. Say, hey, how was it? Right. And then all of a sudden they say, yeah, you've got to use it. They're so great. The food yeah, is great. Same thing. So Womo, so, w sorry, I almost <laughs> blew it. So we ended up at the last stage, one, I would say in December of 2016. Okay. So we're talking about four months ago. We didn't know what to call it. Right. So we had a car. It was working. We were in the pilot in, in, in Ottawa. And now people were saying, we had moved it from a nice to do to become a, a must do. Right. Because then we were, giving, we were in the game of fixing a problem that was urgent and important. And on the other end, something they were currently doing, but we could help to in increase. Increase it, yeah. Right? Because if they were doing 50% referrals, well, we could bring this up to 60, 70% by automating it and putting it on a digital platform. And so I, I have no clue to this day how the word, the branding came. Right. Okay. Because we were, I mean, we were talking to people and, you know, people were giving some crazy names. And at one point I said, and again, I'm actually not taking credit for this because I think, 
it's a combination of people telling things I was researching. And I came with word of mouth. Well, the, initially it was online word of mouth. Right. And then I, I looked at the acronym. It was O-W-M. And I thought, eh, you know, how are we going to pronounce uh -huh. that? It's, you know, like, WOM, like O-WOM. Uh, then it was like, it's not very yeah. cool. W-O-M, yeah, yeah. And so then I put the O at the end, and then it became WOMO, word of mouth online. There you go. And then the, then we're talking about small businesses. And then WOMO. Clicks. And then I said, WOMO. Then I started asking people. And, WOMO. And the thing is, you may or I think I mentioned, you know, I'm French-Italian. Yeah. yeah. So in Italian, uomo means male, yeah. a man. Right. It's not written that way, but that's the pronunciation. Right. So I looked online, and weirdly enough, the uomo was taken, W-O-M-O. <laughs> and I said, my God, is this a company that, that really... Um, if this is a company that, you know, has already had, you know, my idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, in the, in the world, sometimes you, you look back in history, you've got two people, two different places in the world, and they come up with exactly the same, idea, same idea within yeah. one month. Yeah. You know, you hear the story of, of the, the radio with Marconi and Bell. You know, you, you yeah. hear that, and you've, there's controversy. The person that put in a patent, one in Germany, the other one in, a, in a, you know, and then they're actually battling as far as saying, well, I was in the office before. Yeah. So, you, you know, this was late at night, and so it was, like, weird. <laughs> I said, shit. Then I started researching the company, and it has nothing to do with digital. It has to do with men, apparel, and uh, toiletry. <laughs> there you go. So it's the, you know, metrosexual Italian that's, you know, needs facial a cream, <laughs> everything. And it was like, wow. Okay, now I feel safer. Yeah, my Womo. Like, so oh, like now yeah. I, I put a name to my baby. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I could get away. But then now I start. Then the next step is I want to protect it. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of other people that are thinking about what I'm the thinking thing, and I'm yeah. going to want to protect it. And so, you know, next couple of days I'm trying, I'm you know, we reach out to our, our trademark uh, lawyer. And we say, you know, I'd like to have it. And they say, well, you know, it's owned by this toiletry company. And, you know, like, you're not going to be able to use it because, you know, when the, your, your audience should know when they trademark, they basically, at first, anybody goes for a trademark, they put anything, and including the kitchen sink. Yeah. And so you may have, like, 3,000 categories that's under the name in case one day they get into that. But, <laughs> you know, so at one point... It's a little bit like a patent, especially in technology, that eventually somebody started out 20 years ago and it says, hey, you came up with this mousetrap? Well, it's my patent because I had you know, a plug in the electrical uh, outlet and you're using electrical outlet. I'm using yeah. that obviously as yeah. a- Yeah, 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 I get it. You know, and then they say, well, you- Well, you know, not, now you're suing and say, hey, now you invented uh, this product. Anyway, point is that trademark is not that much different and that's what we face. And anyway, we ended up having, you know, the ability to bring it up. Then you get into the design of the logo. Yeah. And, you know, we ended up doing all this. And then eventually we were in a position to now have, if we use the car analogy, people were using the car because the person wanted to. They needed to put the gasoline in. So they started using the, sending the emails. Yeah. And then the only thing that was missing is obviously the branding. Right. So the branding was really just the, the paint job and pimp it up. 
Right. Or is, is this pimp it up or is it pump it up? No, pimp, pimp it up. Yeah, right. pimp it up. Yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. Like a pimp, yeah. yeah, like a pimp. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so the perspective, the decals and everything else. Yeah. So yeah. to make it sexy. Right. right. There you go. Because a brand, at the end of the day, has to speak to your audience. Yeah. And you were talking at the, at the beginning of the a discussion about people selling on the emotions. Yes. Much more as, as in the content. Yeah. And I'm a believer of both. Both, yes. Because I don't sell anything I don't believe in. Exactly. Because that has to be true. We said earlier, you know, in my life, I was involved with Pepsi. I was pretty successful at that. Yeah. And I was pretty good at marketing. But the alignment of the product was not aligned to my values uh, as far as, you know, nutrition and things like that. Right. So it was... That, that's one of the main reasons I'm not there is because of that. Wait, wait, was it? Wasn't, because at the time, <coughs> at one point I was involved into a project and I brought the idea of, of bottled water about 20 years ago and people laughed at me because they thought, we're not in the business of water, we're in the business of sugar water, Marcel. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, duh, yes, I know. So coming back to Womo, uh, the perspective there is that we're talking about selling content as far as delivering on your promise, but you need to be sexy. Right. Because if you've got both, now you've got magic. And that's when special things happen. And that's when you're aligned with the chi. Now, now it's almost spiritual. Now, I was talking with Steve about, you know, Simon Sinek. Yeah. Um, Deepak Chopra. Yeah. Uh, the one I sent you today. Uh, Dr. Dr. Wayne. Yeah. Wayne Dwyer, which is Wayne dead. Dwyer, yeah. These are yeah. these are all people that I used to refine who I was because at yeah. the end of the day, you don't know if you're going to be alive in in a week from now. Maybe today, tonight, I'll have a stroke, and that will be the last time the world hears from me. Yeah. And you said that's weird. I mean, we took him, you know, on our on our podcast. Yeah. And this guy croaked like an hour later. <laughs> you know. Don't talk like that. No, no, but but it happened. No, but it happens. It happens. It happens. Yeah. You guys are young. But the reality is that there's young people dying every day. Yeah. yeah. And the thing it's is, when true. you're young, you think you're invincible. You do. And the thing that you're losing is actually that connection. That connection of being true to your true nature. Yeah, you and what you want. Yeah. And it's not what you want. I'll correct you on that. It's what you're meant to do. What you're meant to do. That and that's sense. hard to find because yeah. it's hard to know what you were meant to do. Because what you're meant to do may not have nothing to do with what you've done to date. You may actually gone on a journey that ultimately you thought that was what you wanted to do. It gave you pleasure. It gave you, you know, uh, significance. It gave you variety in your life, excitement. And you thought you were king shit because you were very successful at what you did. Right. But you may find out at one point, that doesn't bring you happiness. Right. It's not what you're meant to do. I right. So meant yeah. to do. So that's my teaching to you want. right here and to the audience, especially if we're talking about, you know, the target audience of what? What's the target? You said before? 30 to 45? Yeah. Uh, like 25, 20, 25, 25 to 40, 45. Like, 45 like that, yeah. Okay. Young but, adult was but the target though at 25, 35. Yeah. Okay. And then obviously you range a little bit younger and a little bit older. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's cool. So from a marketing perspective, you'd say your target audience is 25, uh, 25 to 35. And if you look at that age group, that means that you've got some young entrepreneur that you know are dreamers and have not faced adversity yet. Because in some cases, it might be their first venture. It was financed by family and friends and they're, yeah. they're just starting out. Yeah. And then in some cases, you've got some people that worked uh, professionally, they went to get experience, and now they were discontent 
and now they decided to uh, to go to the next level, which is become an entrepreneur. Yeah, and they may find out that they don't they were not meant to be entrepreneurs. Right, and that's very hard reality to face because now you're facing to the fact that ultimately you were meant to be something different. Because to be an entrepreneur, that means that you have the ability to fail, to grow, and feel good about yourself all at the same time. Right. And that's not easy. Okay. I can tell you, I'm involved with a lot of businesses. Yeah. And a lot of the businesses that I've involved, uh, second generation. I mean, I can give you a million ideas, I mean, examples across Canada. And I would say the majority of people are not entrepreneurs. But it's sexy to be an entrepreneur, especially in this day and age, <laughs> yeah. because the barrier of entry is low. Because right. you get into the digital game. I mean, look at you guys. I mean, you've got, you've got you know, a neat idea. You're able to execute it, but it's not like you had to raise $3 million to get started. Yeah, we didn't need right. that heavy capital and stuff like no. that. No. I mean, you, you need your brain power. Right. You need to have determination, have yeah. a vision. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, it was not too difficult to get started. Yeah. Right. You just had to do it. Okay, because this, you know, this new economy provides the ability to get a lot more people involved into the entrepreneurship. Right. But here's my point. If you were not meant to be, you will have, you'll be struggling. If you're lucky, you may win and you may be lucky and, you know, things go your way. Yeah. But eventually, just like the weather, there will be a storm. And that's when you feel who you are and what you were meant to be. Right. Because somebody told me a long time ago, it's when, and this was a partner I had that was from Kenya. Indian East Indians from Kenya. There's a lot in Kenya. There's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that you know the Indians were used to you know to uh, to do the railway in Kenya. Yes, they and were. that's why they, they stayed. Yeah, but just the like the Chinese, Empire. just like the Chinese in uh, in, the, in the states. In yeah. the states. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm let's focus here, guys. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pull you back because yes, you reminded you, me. Marcel. Of, you reminded me of Ty Lopez, where he keeps giving me the tour of the house, and he's not yes. giving me. The, he's not so, giving so, me so, the, yeah, the yeah. nugget. Well, well, there's a reason for that. Well, there's a reason for yeah. So there's a reason for that. Yeah, and the reason for that is I care. Right. Oh no, we feel the passion. You, you know, no, no, but I care. Right, I care yeah. about giving. Right. Yeah. You know, I've helped a lot of young entrepreneurs. Right. Did not charge a penny. Yeah. And at one point, <clears throat> uh, my wife said, "Why do you do it?" I said, "Well, I love it. Right." I love it. I, you know, like, like on a Saturday, spend two hours with somebody start struggling with their business. You know, I at my age, my success today, I could actually take shares in that company to be a mentor. I took zero. Right. And because the thing is, I think you receive a lot more by giving but than, than by taking. So coming back to Womo. Yeah. Yes. Tell us tell us how do you get involved with Right. Womo? So let's go back to Womo. <laughs> Womo. So Womo. Where do I so, find So so now the car is sexy. We've now we've we're now in the space of almost spiritual rim because we've accomplished something that's very rare in the lifetime. Yeah. Is a product that delivers more than what people want and it's sexy as hell. So we, because it's so important, we want to make sure we walk before we run. Right. And that's why I'm, I'm here actually in Alberta because 
one of the pioneers of um, Consumer Choice Award is Simone Constantin. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it in French because she doesn't pronounce it that way because she's right here outside of Edmonton and she doesn't speak French fluently anymore and she doesn't pronounce her name like a French person. But it's beautiful <laughs> because you've got some people around here that are from, you know, we're, we're all we're from somewhere. We're all multicultural yeah. country. Well, I like know. A, it's and like it's a, a French-speaking uh, part of our, like, Lac La Biche. In, in yeah. But if you think about it now, you know, Canada is becoming a mosaic because everybody, you know, they've got immigrants from everywhere. So let's go back to, to um, Womo. 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 So where we're here here is because Simone is here. I mean, candidly, if Simone was not here, I would not be in Alberta. Right. I believe in the people. I truly believe in the energy of people and the good intent. And Simone is a precious person for us because she's got the heart. She didn't always have the skills, but she had the heart. Right. And we believed in her and we were able to invest time. And um, I'm seeing her crying now. If we had a camera, it would be a special moment here. Should take a camera and yeah, film her right now. I have to do that. Because I'm actually getting tears. Both uh, of you are crying. Uh, yeah, well, not <laughs> to the same degree as Simone. Yeah, the male energy is not as sensitive. There we go. But uh, but that's the reason I'm here. The reason I'm here is because Wilmo is going to be successful regardless of where I go. Right. But the first place I wanted to share it with was Simone, because because uh, again I have faith that Simone is going to be a catalyst and bring Wilmo, and I want her to feel the success. And the praise that will come along with it. Yeah. Right. Right? Because, again, to me, it's a special product that comes once in a lifetime. And the rare, I mean, the raving that I've received, because don't forget, I'm not coming here with a Hail Mary thinking, oh, I hope this works. Yeah. This is a proven product. You know, a proven ready, product yeah. in ready, Ottawa. And, you ready and I've t- had my, you know, my, uh, my partner's, because I see them as partners, yeah. companies that I do business with that are love my product, which is Consumer Choice Award. They're, you know, they're ambassadors. They're you, you know, they're they're people that I care for, that honestly wants me to succeed. Right. right. And so that's why the product is so great. Right. Because they had their input, and the thing that's beautiful is that they continue giving input. Right. Because this product is organic, and so it's going to absorb. All of the things that people say, hey, what about this? You know, what if it did, did this? Yeah. Well, let's consider it. Yeah, it's going to continue to grow. And then let's see. <laughs> and so this four, it's a journey now. Yeah. It's a, it's a product that's organic. It will grow. It will get better. And it's phenomenal now because it's, at, you know, it's addressing things that people really need. Right. So it's important. It's urgent for consumers. And it's important and urgent for customer or businesses. Businesses, yeah. So we've got the yin and yang. One other thing I didn't talk about is that, you see our mission, we're talking about Simon Sinek. Yeah. Well, our why, for people that don't know, he's got the circle, the golden circle. Yeah. And our why is helping people make better choices. Well, our people is the consumers. Yeah. Are the businesses, our business partners, which are actually our suppliers, our strategic alliances that we have across the country. I mean, the reason why I met you is because of Derek. Right. Well, Derek has been involved from the first day. You did our first video in Montreal when we first did our first launch. I had the owner there, and he said, what are you doing? He had a big accent. <laughs> Stronger than mine. 
And he said, what are you doing, Marcel? You're spe- how much money are you spending on this? And I said, I'm spending a lot because we need to have rich content. Yeah. This, is 2000- that, this was actually in January of 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Rich content was easy to understand because people, again, on the internet, one thing that will not reduce is that people's attention span is going down. Declining. Declining yeah. drastically. Yeah. And people will be much less attentive to information. So when you were talking about your nine points, you know, one day will maybe 15 points because at the end of the day, you'll have different mediums that will come in and you'll be more busy and people will be spending more and more time with all the electronics because they will have different function. You'll have all the technology that we now be exposed to. Yeah. And that's when Womo will become not the big brother. It will not become Yellow Pages. It will not become Google because we're monetizing it not after we launched it. It was thought before. So we don't need to monetize the information that we'll be providing to the public because it will be profitable today. It's profitable because it provides a service to the companies and it's truly, and it's going to be equal to all companies. Right. So now if you're talking about the roofers, if there's 25 roofers here in Edmonton, well, 25 roofers have access to the Womo. And the only thing they need to do is register, put their credit card for $250 for a lifetime of use of the platform. And we give a trial period of three months, not 30 days, like which is very common on the internet. Yeah, yeah, 30 days. So, yeah. so this is not a money grab. We really want to make sure you test drive the car right. for three months and we're going to help you making sure you use it well because we don't want you to buy something you're not going to use. Right. So this is not a money grab. So the 25, um, 25 uh, roofers will have access to that same platform at the same price and they will be able to capitalize on the information. And if they're, they're, if they're not good at what they do, they're not going to generate a lot of word of mouth, positive word of mouth, right. because they're not very good. Yeah. And so maybe they were not meant to do that. Yeah, so it's a fair assessment. Yeah. yeah. And so that will be an indicator because they'll have the matrix yeah. to at one point say, you know what? Maybe I need to do something else. Right. This was not what I was meant to do. Yeah. Okay, and Marcel, I'm sold. You're sold? sold? I'm sold. <laughs> so where do I find it? <laughs> where, where do I go? Where do I go now to sign up? Okay. <laughs> Womo. W-O-M-O. Yep. Hub. H ub.ca or .com. There you go. So womohub.ca or .com. Or .com. They both work. I like they both it. work. Yeah, and we yeah. bought a bunch of others, but, it, you know, it's just to protect a... Womo Hub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I like it. The because now it's like, it's like, I find the biggest problem with online is it's detached from real life. Exactly. It's detached. So it's now like, we're reconnecting, reconnecting humans it. with humans. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And creating real connections but also real data that's live. The last thing I real would, time in real time, yeah. but most importantly, the information improves over time because it's every day. There's a new data that comes in, right? It ex- increases. So it takes back the, the 25 uh, roofers. Yeah. Well, if there's 10 people, if there's 10 people answering the questions or right. the, the diff- and the different questions, yeah. what ultimately would happen. And if it's done once a month, yeah, well, that's 120 data points at the end of the year. 
right. five years later, that's 600. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, just it keeps, keeps growing. It keeps on growing. Yeah. So yeah, that means that the information gets better. Yeah, yeah. So it's the reverse of what's happening digitally today. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting there. So it Okay, is, so exciting. we're changing the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it sounds like it because it's, I, like, I like the fact that it gets better as it goes because like nowadays the internet gets murkier as you go. And I'm going to have to take a, I'm going to have to take a, a bathroom. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we're gonna, we'll, we'll wrap this up here really yeah. quickly here. We'll uh, wrap it up. So it was I've good. been drinking your water. <laughs> <laughs> and now I've got, I need a natural break. Yeah, yeah. natural break. Okay, so last thing we want to do. Okay, yeah. so Womo dot, uh, WomoHub.com. WomoHub.com. WomoHub.ca. Yeah, the last. Oh, hold on. Hold on a second. I don't have my reading glasses. Oh, and if you want to reach Simone Constantin, her phone number is... Can you read this? I don't have my reading glasses. Yeah, I'm getting old. Yeah, phone number is uh, 780-616-2671. And you've got a cute accent. Why don't you say your name again? My name is Mukai. Oh, her name. Simone Constantin. Yeah, Constantin. 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 I'm not French. I'm from, I'm from Zimbabwe. I'm African. Okay. So I got the super accent. Well, there yeah. you go. Simone Constantin. Exactly. 780-616-2671. Okay, last thing before we wrap it up here. Uh, we just wanted to know, are you going to be okay? Or did you? It's <laughs> <laughs> bouncing around like it's I, back I, in, a, in the first grade here. Yes. I love well, it. Well, one, one thing you have to remember <laughs> is that I drink a lot of water. Yeah. And uh, now it's getting to the 11th minute <laughs> 11th minute all okay. right well why don't why don't we wrap it up here then? we'll wrap it up that, that was actually it yeah. was it was a good talk we went for a little while uh thank you very much for coming on the show today uh it, again if you guys are looking for simone uh womohub.ca or com or you can contact simone at 780-616-2671 uh i'm steve andiste with word of mouth with my host mukai moromo the yes. african assassin uh, thank you very much, Mar uh, Marcel, for coming out with it. Marcel for coming out and visiting us today, and it's been it was an awesome chat. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And I just want to say something. Yes, sir. You guys are inspiring me. Thank you for you're, having me. You're inspiring yeah, you're us. Inspiring <laughs> us. Yeah, thank like, you for being here. Yeah. Thank you it's very much. Wrap. This has been Word of Mouth with Steve Van Deest and Mikai Maromo. <laughs>